0: Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host Claire Campos-O'Neill as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos-O'Neill. Nicole Abshire is not with us today, but we do have a fantastic guest. You might recognize her voice, but before I reveal who that is, I just want to remind everyone, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, please do that on our website, gobehindtheballot.com also check out our social media we're at go behind the ballot leave us a review a rating share the podcast with a friend we really appreciate it when you help us grow and get the word out about texas politics so in this episode we're continuing our series where we talk about the 88th legislative session which ended may 29th here in texas Bills were passed. Bills were not passed. And today what we want to learn about is what happened with public education. And we have Laura Sue Yeager with us, who was with us way back in our public education series. And we're so glad that she is going to fill us in on the good, the bad, and the
2: ugh. So, hey, how are you doing? Hi. Hi, Claire. It's nice to be (laughs) here. Um, Yes, it'll be an interesting discussion. It was quite a session. Yeah, quite a
1: session. Uh, Yeah, Nicole and I have mentioned a few times that we were at the Capitol. We were able able to see how the Sasha's were being made with our own eyes. And it's, it's messy. It's a messy process. So we're excited for you to tell us from your perspective what happened. But before we get into all of that, can you just tell us, remind us a little bit for our new listeners, for those of us who have rusty memories? What is it that you do specifically?
2: Well, I um, have been doing public education advocacy here in Texas since 2011. Um, so I'm part of you know, TAMSA, Texans Advocating for Meaningful Student Assessment. The Moms Against Strong Testing, so those issues came up this session. Um, I run Texas Educators Vote when it is not a legislative session, trying to get educators to model civic engagement. Um, I don't follow the voting legislation as much as some of the people you've had on, but uh, we try to get people out to vote. Um, and the legislative session is when they can do their research. Um, and then what I spend most of my time on during session is just fund it, which is a grassroots advocacy group trying to get the legislature to fund our public schools.
1: Yes, thank you for doing all those important things. And again, it's so great to have you back on the show because something that Nicole and I are trying to lean more heavily into is democracy, reminding people how they can utilize the power that they have and not underestimate it because it is, it's important for us to have nice things, and we should, and our students absolutely should. So let's just get right into it and talk about the good and and if any good things happened this session regarding public education.
2: So just big picture, heading into the legislative session, we had the largest ever budget surplus of almost $33 billion, of which $8 billion of those dollars were paid by taxpayers to their local school districts, thinking they would go to a school, either in their district or another district. Those $8.2 billion went into that $33 billion budget surplus. We had a $27 billion rainy day fund, and we are at the bottom of the barrel of funding our schools. Our teachers are one of the lowest paid. They're 7000 below the national average. And so we went in thinking, hey, maybe they'll fund the schools. Maybe they'll give the teachers a pay raise. Maybe they'll do some of the things that are needed for our public schools. Um they didn't,
1: right? And also, they had the teacher task force, right? That, yes. That was. Can you talk talk a little bit about that?
2: Uh, I can't talk a lot about the teacher task force because I really didn't pay that much attention to it because that I focused more on the parent side. Um, but all the rec- there were recommendations. There were so many good things that could have happened in this legislative session. So I know you want to talk about good first. It'll be super fast because any possible good. And there were some good bills proposed. We're held hostage to vouchers. The governor has put a ton of pressure, as have outside national organizations, Betsy DeVos-funded groups, to try to get vouchers passed. And we've been fighting vouchers for over 20 years. Rural Republicans, urban Democrats, people who love their public schools, to we have fought vouchers. And this time, all the good got held back or tied on to voucher proposals. So I think one of the only good things I can think of that passed was like a teeny tiny one-time lump sum for retired teachers and um, a cost of living increase, which is not big, and I think would need a constitutional amendment passed for that to pass. Um, you know, there was a, a little bit, the Uvalde families pushed really hard for some school safety. Um, there was a bill passed. Maybe it had a little good. I mean, there was like $0.08 cents more. Or no point it, it, it's a tiny amount more um for people to fund the security differences. It requires a um armed guard on every campus so that's all that's all the good I can think of Wow, I mean pretty much that's all the good that, I mean there were proposals to increase funding, there were proposals to change the accountability system. There were lots of proposals, but um. So far, no go. Wow. All that money um, hasn't gone to, uh, not a penny more to the basic eleven.
1: Yeah. I mentioned the teacher task force because that's something that my understanding is Greg Abbott uh, put in motion. We want to figure out why teachers are leaving the profession. This is a huge problem in Texas. And their conclusions were <clears throat> that we need to raise pay. Um for teachers, I think increased funding for schools, a handful of things, and as you're telling us, none of that happened. But it's funny because the governor was the one who was leading that charge, and yet when session came around, it turned to vouchers.
2: Well, I mean, there were lots of proposals for teacher pay raises and things like that. In fact, even in the property tax final round of negotiations like a week ago in the special session the second special session senator gutierrez had gotten in on the senate side a teacher pay raise and it got pulled out and i i mean the general impression is it got pulled out because the voucher needs the teacher pay raise and the increased funding and the changing the accountability system to push vouchers that no one wants so he wouldn't have had the leverage when we think there's going to be an october special session focused on vouchers they they couldn't they couldn't let that happen mm. so schools are going to start up again with not enough money i mean even to keep up with inflation since 2019 it would have taken 14 billion dollars more in the basic allotment and um we're further behind than we were then so um yeah it's really sad yeah. it really shows the priorities of our leaders um and yeah it was bad it's still bad Um, And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. But people should be mad and paying attention. Yeah. Just while we're on it, can
1: you explain what vouchers are for people who
2: don't know? Yeah, it's public money for private schools. Private schools, home schools. I mean, the voucher proposals that were made went from very narrow to very broad. Um, So if we currently underfund our public schools, and from the research I've done, only like Utah and Arizona spend less per student than Texas. Um, We already aren't spending enough on our schools, and the amount of money we have for schools is also going to charters. So now we have a double, two streams. Um, It's yet a third stream. And every kid who leaves a public school, the money goes away. So that would go to vouchers. So the voucher proposals that have been out have no accountability. There's a huge accountability system, financial, academic, that we do hold for our public schools. Um, and the proposals that I think the governor is interested in are very broad voucher, $8,000 a kid, $10,000 a kid, no accountability to the taxpayers um, for pretty much anyone. So it's um, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. And, and I will say the advocates have been working hard, as I mentioned before, and have staved this off. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I mean, Texans don't want them. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's got to have a lot of tools in his arsenal to try to force to try to force it, right?
1: Um, well, speaking of accountability, if our listeners want to know more, they should definitely go back to the episode that we recorded with you, where we talked specifically about accountability and assessment. And I kept thinking about that with this voucher discussion. Once this money leaves, how do we know that we're getting what we pay for, which is what, you told us accountability basically is. And I kept thinking about that. So it's it's just a good episode to really refresh your memory on the importance of accountability for our money that we're paying into the pot together.
2: Yes, and there were some really good bills to try to diversify our accountability system because it's all about STAR. And even one of the times they um, took a good, they took like the school funding bill, House Bill 100, and shoved a voucher on it at the beginning, they were trying to give, like, $20,000 to each rural school if they lost a kid. So a little bribe for them. And then they were trying to bribe people by saying, oh, we're going to make these assessment and accountability changes. We're going to get rid of STAR, and we're going to um, make some changes. But they weren't, these they weren't even changes that parents wanted. These were changes that Mike Morath and TEA wanted. So I will say a lot of a handful of bills did pass. They were pretty much bills that TEA a.k.a. Mike Marath, a.k.a. the governor, wanted. So I certainly don't see them as wins, um, including ones like a canned school curriculum. TEA, mm-hmm. I think, getting 180 new FTEs, employees. They're going to have an um, army of armed guards that report to them. So none of this is a win for students, for teachers, for parents, for public education. Um, The only real wins was stopping a few, stopping vouchers so far.
1: Right, right. Which is great. I know, this is so depressing. That's okay. (laughs) Um, I just want to quickly remind folks, if you're like, Mike Morath, who's that? He's the education commissioner who was appointed by the governor. So very important, powerful position Mm -hmm. that we don't elect. No. Well, we we elect the governor.
2: Yes. So when you vote for governor, you're voting for the person who will pick. The commissioner of education who has had an increasing amount of power with each legislative session right um, before we leave the good were there any
1: legislators who were just on team public education that you want to shout
2: out yeah there were you know there were quite a few i mean first and foremost and closest to my heart is my personal representative uh representative gina josa here from austin she was on public, the Public Education Committee this session. She did her homework. She had good questions. She had hard questions. She stood up for kids. She stood up for public schools. She was awesome. Um, you know, Representative Talarico spoke up mostly for students, like when there were the trans bills and there were, you know, he, he hit on issues of, they, they, they had different issues they covered. Um, but he was, he was a big advocate for public ed. Um, John Bryant. Who, who is new back at the legislature. He had been a legislator. He was in Congress, and he's back. He tried to put in school funding every time he could in the budget, on the floor. Um, I'll mention a couple others real quickly because I was thinking about it. Trey Martinez-Fisher, who's head of the Democratic Caucus, he tried that as well. And Alma Allen, who is an older black woman who's the vice chair of public ed. I think she's still the vice chair. Who was an educator from Houston. She read... There were a few very hostile legislators on that committee, and she, she took them to task, and she put them in their place, and she knows public ed. She knows students. She knows Houston. She was really good. She had some really good uh, little videos you could watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a, a couple Republicans. I mean, Ken King, had he he kept trying, and he killed his bill that was going to be the only vehicle for school funding because they put vouchers on it. And then my personal favorite was Ernest Bales, who stood up on the House floor and stopped at the train from you know, when the governor pushed uh, Chairman Buckley to bring back up a bill with a voucher that had been shoved in overnight. Ernest Bales stood up and said no. So, you know, there were a handful of people. And then in the Senate, I will say, Senator Menendez, Senator Gutierrez, they tried. I mean, the Senate's a tough one. But, but all these people, I really appreciate what they, what they did
1: yeah yeah well thank you for yeah sharing those names okay let's turn to the bad which might be the bulk of our conversation uh but what what was the bad that happened this session
2: well there was a lot of bad i mean it could have been worse sadly when not a lot of people vote and we get the legislature we have it could have been worse is sometimes the best thing we could say um So I I made a list. I mean, I mentioned House Bill 1605, which is the canned curriculum for teachers. I know the commissioner said that that's the bill that's going to make it easier for teachers because they're overworked. Teachers don't complain about doing the work that they want to do. They complain about spending all their time on testing. And, you know, so I don't love that bill. Um, House Bill 900, which was the book banning bill, um, limiting what p- kids can learn I mean they already had a bunch of bills with the CRT bills in the past session already limiting what kids can talk about what teachers can teach about but this quote keeps sexually explicit content off shelves but who determines what's sexually explicit having kids not see themselves whether it's race whether it's gender um, because those books aren't allowed in schools I think it's a tragedy um, I'm going to get worked up over that The chaplains in schools bill. Mm.
1: Yeah, can you explain this one? Because this one, I don't think.
2: Senate Bill seven sixty three, and it had a brother that didn't pass yet. That Dan Patrick still wants to pass in a special session, which was Senate Bill fifteen fifteen, which is the Ten Commandments bill. And these are basically putting religion in our schools. So um, the chaplains in schools bill basically said, and they tried to make it seem innocuous you know, innocuous, but it's not, it is untrained, um, religious people with like a few hours of training can go and replace counselors and they can go shame kids. They can, it's, it it begins to undermine the separation of church and state. Our counselors are trained. Our counselors should be respected. They should be paid. Um, and if you look at who's behind this bill, it's creepy and that bill passed and is going into law.
1: I'm just curious, was what was the um, convincing argument for that? Like, oh, schools are strapped so they can just get a chaplain to come help out with these kids who are having mental health issues?
2: Yeah, just more people to listen to the kids. Um, I would argue that we have the money that we could fund the schools, that we could pay for counselors, mm-hmm. that we could um, – and that and what makes it clearly a push of a very conservative Christian view in our schools is that every amendment, many of which were put on by Representative Inahosa, Representative Talarico, to allow a wide diversity of religious beliefs to make sure that these people had been trained, were all rejected by the author. And I believe it was Cole Hefner in the House, I don't remember who had it in the Senate. But it was, um, it might have been, um, uh, I'll remember his name, but um, yeah, scary. It's scary. So a lot of the voucher push, which I think you're going to focus on later, is about uh, letting people pay for religious school. And mm-hmm. so while they're pushing to do it with public money, this is a way they're doing it inside the, the back schools. door, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get it on the outside, we're just going to go infiltrate from the inside and try to push beliefs that that not everyone agrees with. And yeah. again, separation of church and state, it undermines it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think
2: it's a scary bill and I don't think people were paying enough attention to it.
1: Yes. Well,
2: it's definitely a question for parents to ask now mm-hmm. that it's law. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Ten Commandments bill, which was um, Dan Patrick has said, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, he'd like to bring it back. That requires a like, like arcane even version of a very conservative Christian view. It was not the Ten Commandments that you see in a Jewish congregation that you'd see in in, in different faiths. Um, in every classroom, big. Every classroom? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, it's coming back. So what, did something pass this session regarding the Ten
1: Commandments? No,
2: it, it didn't make it through. It, okay. it died in the house. It just, something accidentally got in its way. Okay. But I, I, I think they will... They will push for that to come back. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And those are what alarm me as someone who likes public schools as a as a bastion of democracy and allowing different beliefs and a diversity of background and uh, that's what's so beautiful about our public schools Mm -hmm. and this is a pushback against that. Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can I can see that in Sunday school, not so much my
2: local. Public school, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Those are the public ed bills that you know, the passed, and and they just kept pushing vouchers. There may be others, but those are the ones I was paying the most attention to.
1: Yes. Any others?
2: Um. Well, those. I mean, those are the main ones. That, you know, the school safety. I mentioned I don't love that they're telling people how to do it. I think we should have local control, and if. You want an armed guard on your campus, that's great. And if you don't, you don't. But what they wrote into a lot of bills, including that one, is if for, if there is any part of that bill, the Senate Bill 3, no, House Bill 3, the school safety bill, that is not um, met, the commissioner can take over. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a lot of room for the commissioner to take over, and he's already taken over Houston ISD. He's taken over um, the special ed section of Austin ISD. Um, this is a consolidation of power outright. Mm-hmm. And people should be paying attention right. to that too,
1: right? And taking away that local control.
2: Mm-hmm. Those are, I mean, not that much passed, yeah, because so much was tied up and got tagged on with the voucher bills.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Any? Uh,
2: what would you like to say? No, I mean, that. you know, there are other bills because our public schools—it's like a microcosm for all the other issues. Um, I think that's why there's so much attention focused on it. I mean, there's lots of other stuff that went awry, like the ban on trans care. That that affects our schools. Um, I mentioned the the book ban. You know, the what people can read, what people can learn, um, all that stuff. Those are all horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching the session, and and again, going into the session, I thought it wouldn't be that much about public ed, but mm. I thought it'd be about funding and. Um, And it wasn't. It was about pushing really cruel legislation that affects kids. Yeah. And teachers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, it's really No, it's okay. I mean, we have to be aware of what is happening. And I think the more people know, the more they will get upset because it, it impacts so many of us. Can
2: I say one other thing? So I just remember, I usually watch the public education Committees, it has a different name in the Senate, and the finance or appropriation committees. And going in with so much money, I just was alarmed. I remember the Senate Finance Committee, the first time they met, they went around and they didn't say, How fortunate are we to have our coffers full? Look at all the good things we can do. To a one of the Republicans, at least, they said, Well, we can't be spending that money. We need to prepare for famine. Mm. So when you don't have the money, you don't have the money. When you do have the money, you're preparing for famine. These are the people we pick. Mm -hmm. And if you want the people you pick to invest in something as important as public education or in freedom to read or freedom to not get shot at school or all the different things, you got to pick people who are willing to spend the money on the stuff you care about. So it it brings home the importance of doing your research and paying attention to the people that you vote for because they're going to make some decisions that are going to affect you at school at the doctor, you know, wherever you are. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good reminder. And we can still, we
1: can vote the next time and the next time. And, yep. and, and, and it does d- correct.
2: Yes, you don't always get all the people that you vote for, but you keep at it. Exactly. Yes.
1: Um, okay, let's turn to the UG, which is like, Ugh, oh, I can't believe we're kind of doing it that we had all this money and we didn't spend it. Or this is what took the oxygen. So what falls into that bucket for you?
2: Well, I mean, that they spent all their time. Well, first of all, the governor spent most of his time posting on social media and visiting private religious schools talking about the importance of vouchers in parental control and parental empowerment. We already have parent empowerment written into our education code. He didn't go to a single public school. Public schools are loved by parents, by educators in urban and rural areas. It was such a disconnect between what they spent the time on and what really needed to happen. I mean, our schools are not funded, and our kids are the future of our economy, not to mention human beings, right? So there was that Ugh. I mean, the book banning stuff was ugh. The trans kids not getting health care was ugh. And, like, a big UGG moment was when, you know, the chairman of public education, who nobody really knew which way he was going to go. I mean, Chairman Brad Buckley has his wife is an educator, and he talks like he supports public education, and maybe he ultimately will. But he's open to talking about vouchers as well. Mm-hmm. He tried to, when they pushed, I, I don't I not don't, SB8. I don't remember which one it was. At this point, it happened so many times. But when he tried to bring a voucher bill up for a vote on the floor that they hadn't had time to read, it, it hijacked another bill. Um, and he had really succumbed to the governor's pressure to try to get people not even to vote to bring it to the floor. So it just it just showed how much pressure there was and that the people in charge really weren't fighting for public schools. So it was an ug moment that they tried to pass that thank goodness for Ernest Bales who stood up and got them to say no we're not going to vote on it we got a public hearing but with no public input Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. invited testimony Um, and I will say like this second special session the House the um, speaker put together a select committee on looking at all these issues on public ed and there were two days last week when they had it and it was actually more informative i feel like the republicans and democrats alike i mean the ones open to supporting public ed went away saying wow we're really not funding our schools mm. and whew, we really need to change our accountability system that should have happened in the regular session yeah and maybe it will in a voucher session but um i don't know i don't know how many times he's going to keep bringing people back and how long people can hold on to fight against it so i mean to me the whole session was ugh yeah and when the number one goal of the governor is to undermine public education, we started off sprinting and had to sprint to the end. And you know, it's July and we're not done. Right. So it's 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 not the way it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I guess this is an ug for me and perhaps it is for you, but something that I heard over and over again from the governor was education, not indoctrination at these religious schools that he was touring and there were folks who were commenting in testimony that actually giving money to religious schools is indoctrination because that's what their man- their mission mandate is can you talk about this a little bit because to me that's just a strange disconnect upside down you know mid, um, like orson wells
2: world of twisting words mhm i couldn't agree more um, and I do think it was Representative Talarico. And he he spoke to it very clearly, saying that is the goal of religious schools. People choose to go because they believe the doctrine of those religious schools. And public education is just so interesting because through Artiques and across the country, it is and teeks less than others, it is to expose kids to a wide variety of beliefs for them to decide. And so the, the the lingo, the you know, the story that they've been telling that public schools indoctrinating kids, teaching them to be gay, teaching them to be leftist, all these different things is absurd. Especially in our rural schools. They're not teaching them that. No one is telling kids what to believe. And there's no evidence that they are, whereas they want to give money to places specifically they want to give it to homeschools. They're teaching what they want to teach. They're not following the state curriculum. So it is topsy-turvy. And 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 by and large, people don't want it. People don't want it. And the studies, when they do say, like, do you want a voucher, if someone says, Claire, would you like free money, you might say yes. But if they say, Claire, would you like free money, but it's not really free because you're going to take it away from a key tenet of our democracy where 90 more than 90% of kids go. You'd be like, you know what, sure, I want free money, but I want public schools. Mm -hmm. So, no. And so, it's how you ask the question. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, Betsy DeVos had her key lobbyist who's been pushing around the country at hearings Mm. over and over. And, um, they're frustrated because they haven't gotten Texas. We're a big win. And advocates are going to keep fighting. But, you know, they're getting tired. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of holding the dike back.
1: Yeah. The thing that's so strange to me about public education is that it's a public good. And a public good, I was on Wikipedia last night, means that it's non-rivalrous and it's non-exclusive. However, we are moving towards a different quote market where we have you know charter schools already that are rivalrous with our local isds and if we go towards vouchers those are exclusive we know they are that they have handbooks admission policies you have to be a particular way or you're out and it's just like well the public good is at stake and and i wish that was something people thought about
2: i think you're right but i think it's not fair to assume that our leaders believe in a public good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our leaders believe in the market, at least here. I mean, our, it's a very conservative value, and they it's just interesting. I think they think of freedom from government, freedom from um, anything public. And on the other side, it's more a freedom to think, freedom to take care of yourself, decide what to read. And so the market is more believed in by our leaders. I mean, that's who, whoever voted, not that many, but that's who they picked. And if you go back to the origin of the discussion of vouchers, it was Milton Friedman after Brown versus the Board of Education, and it was a way to continue segregating our schools and keeping the kids separate. And then later discussions, he made clear, he's like, we shouldn't be funding school, we don't give housing, we don't, he thinks everything should be market-driven. I mean, he's not alive anymore, but that's, there's so much research that the confluence of the market-driven nature versus the people trying to preserve the white supremacist, like old white men in charge deciding what everyone knows and needing to believe the same Christian values, I think that's what's driving this. It's not about the public good. And if people believe in the public good, I'd say it again, you got to vote, mm-hmm. and you got to vote for people who believe in the public good because that good's going to go away. It's going to go away really fast.
1: Yeah. And I guess the last thing I'll add that I think about is the Texas Constitution, because doesn't it say that all children are guaranteed, not guaranteed, but essentially that they have the right to a free public education?
2: Yes. Article 7 of the Texas Constitution requires the state to provide a free public education to every student. Um, And vouchers go against that yeah and the fact that we don't fund our schools so i mean honestly if ever teachers parents students should be alarmed it's now but we do have one of the least engaged states in terms of civic engagement Mm -hmm. and um it's it's scary yeah well
1: hopefully this is some good fear to motivate folks to take action and change our future because it can't change no one knows the future so that's what's exciting to me.
2: Somehow I'm still always hopeful. <laughs> well, and I will say to be more positive, all the groups that I've worked with have been about engaging people in advocacy, in voting and in democracy. And when Tamsa in fif- 2013 got House Bill 5 passed, the bill ch- you know, reducing high stakes testing, mm-hmm. it was you know, we were nominated for Texan of the Year from the Dallas Morning News. We had a photograph with like Dan Patrick and Wendy Davis never went in the middle because it was democracy in action. Yeah. And so it can happen, but but people, it, it, it requires people to engage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise, the people paying for the few people in charge, they got the power. Right, right.
1: And, and they like it. I'm sure. And I'm sure that they like people letting them do what they want.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, as we wrap up, we like to turn to democracy, which we're already doing a little bit, yes. but we're just curious for you to share with us and our listeners,
2: what does democracy mean to you? Well, I mean, I, I don't know where this is, this is written in the Constitution, but democracy isn't supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people. And so, of the people means people can run, you know, run for office, people can engage with their elected officials. By the people, I mean there should be voting and for the people. And so, I think we need to have people engaged and advocate. We need people to run for office, and we need elected officials who who support it. Um, I think all three of those are at stake um, right now. As we just mentioned, a few people with a lot of money are paying to keep people in power who are not concerned about making laws for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have, this is our chance to rest back control. Um, and so if anything is important, I think it's this question of democracy.
1: Right. Yeah. I think it's also a good reminder if you have someone in your life who is standing up to run and that you believe in to support them and supports volunteering, giving them money, telling your neighbors to vote for them, because when you do have candidates with so much money and wealth behind them, you need the community to rally around the little guy because otherwise yeah. they do not have much of a chance. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and at every level, and I think we talked about it one other time, I mean, the, the closest to you level of government, which is school board, right? And your city council, it they represent fewer people, it's easier to engage with them, and every level matters from school board up to president. And you know, there's another election coming. Mm hmm. So hopefully people are not downtrodden, but like alarmed enough to do their research and then vote and and help get good people elected. Because I really think we could turn it around. But but we got to get after it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think so, too.
1: Um, so where can people follow your work?
2: Um, well, just fund it and tax educators vote and TAMSA, you know, they're on Facebook and Twitter uh, there are websites. Um, I sometimes am a little edgier on my own personal <laughs> social media, and um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with some of those other groups. Some of the you know, funding for Just Fund It and Tax Educators Vote um, may be lapsing. So follow me. You can follow me personally. Um, just look me up, Laura and um and we'll see we'll see what, what happens with some of that and maybe there'll even be something new. I'll keep you posted. Yeah,
1: thank you. Well, thank you so much for educating us on public education. This has been super helpful. Always good having you, Laura.
2: Thank you for your time. Thank you. And again, I'm sorry. I'm so just, it's just been a tiring set of sessions and um, and we really need to do good for the 5.4 million kids uh-huh. in our schools. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for
1: tuning in and we'll be back next week.
0: Thank you everybody for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host Claire Campos-O'Neill on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody. And have a good one.